What's up, everybody? Welcome to Triggered Wrestling. Today, we're going to review Mind the Bank 2023. We discuss our predictions. Stay tuned. We're Triggered Wrestling. Triggered Wrestling is so awesome all the way around. That gets me triggered. Ooh, okay. Well, let's go with the bad trigger right now. See, I'm a, I'm a fan of all of it. We'll force you to watch Trigger Wrestling. What's up, everybody? It's me, Brian Garcia, here with Adrian De Los Santos, as always. What's up? We're going to be going over our predictions from Money in the Bank. We can call this our Money in the Bank recap episode, I guess. But before we get into Money in the Bank, I just want to say that collision this week lost me in the first 15 minutes. Oh, me too, bro. Me too. How are you going to have a local talent, a.k.a. jobber, wrestle your world champion? Mind you, I have seen this before numerous times, but as a, what is this, Collision's third episode, MJF's first time on Collision, very disappointing if I should say, don't you think? I agree. Um, But so, I have no problem with him fighting a jobber. That's not the thing. The thing, oh my God, you know what? Uh, there is a problem with him fighting a jobber, bro. And at this point, I mean, the world heavyweight champion needs a tune-up match, right? On Collision, when you want people to watch the show. So the first thing they see is, MJ fighting some local talent, beats him up, squash match, then calls out a local talent who ends up being Ethan Page, who is, first of all, under contract to Matt Hardy currently, right? Yes, under contract, yes. And this story mostly started on AEW Dark, finished up on Rampage because Dark is dead. So, I mean, other than that, I mean, I would consider myself... Or myself, I'm a jobber. (laughs) I would consider Ethan Page a jobber. Um, at this point as well. So just because he's a local talent, he's getting a title shot here, much to the same way that Selena Vega got a title shot for Rhea Ripley in yep. Puerto Rico. Correct. But except that this is not a whole country. This is just Hamilton, Canada, right? Yeah. That's the thing, too. Even when Ethan Page came out, I was like, what? I mean, at least his music would have wheeled me in to watch the show. He came out with no music, just microphone in hand. And I'm like, what is this? Normally, I'm a, I'm a big Ethan Page fan. I'm a big MJF fan. Just for some reason, I, I don't know. Whatever was going on during the TV at that time didn't catch my attention. But I will say this. After those 15, 20 minutes, that show got good and it got better. But the 15 minutes is where you keep your audience, whether it's good or bad. Obviously, Brian has his opinion that it, that it was bad, which is something that Tony Khan should consider. Hey, don't open those shows up again like this. Even for me, even people think I'm a AEW mark. I didn't like it either. It's just a bad way to start your show. Like it's 4th of July weekend. A lot of people took Monday off to have an extra long weekend. They're excited for wrestling. They were, we are excited from money in the bank. So we're like, you know what? Let's keep this wrestling going on. We see MJF coming out to fight a jobber, bro. Yes, it was. You know what? Sorry. This reminds me of the time we went to go see the WWE live event here in Sacramento. And I don't remember who it was, but he was, I think it might have been Baron Corbin. Let's just say it's Baron Corbin for the sake of things. He was just like, I'll fight anybody from Sacramento. And then Drew Gulak comes out because they announced that his grandma is from Sacramento, California, which I'm sure they do that in every fucking town that they go to. Like if it's some fucking town in Illinois. Oh, it's Drew Gulak's grandma lives here because like, who the fuck's going to check anyways? You know what I mean? So that's exactly what I felt with Ethan Page. Yeah, I think it was one of the the Lotharios. Humberto, I think that's his name. I think it was when he came out with with the microphone. I think he said that. Or I think it might have been Drew Gulak. I don't know, bro. 
it, well, Drew Gulak is the one that came out to answer the open challenge, but it oh. might have been Humberto Carrillo. Yeah. Yeah, see, those two nobodies, bro. But you're right. Yeah. It made no sense. Uh, Ethan Page said basically the same thing, that his dad worked down the street, his dad worked up the company, and that's how Ethan Page got raised. But again, I, I don't think... Those first 15 minutes were hard to watch. And if you're an AEW fan and you're a listener, please admit it. Those first 15 minutes were hard to watch. So then right after that, bro, they have like the next matches. And we're not going to get too much into detail of it. But I just want to do a quick rundown because I have triggered energy about this. You have Dustin Rose versus Hobbs, which of course Hobbs is going to win because what are you going to do? Bury him again? So against Dustin Rhodes, you know what I mean? So yeah. he gets a, I would say, predictable win. Then you get Miro come out to fight Anthony Henry of the Workhorsemen. Who? Who? <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, I don't, I mean, I remember the Workhorsemen from Dark. And so it's just, I need to see Miro doing more things. Yeah, I think right now, um, I think I sent you a text, you and Kaylin on our group chat. And I was like, TK desperately needs Miro, Andrade, CM Punk on Dynamite to get them all over. Get Dynamite's viewership over. Because right now, as you can see, they have nothing for Miro. I mean, yes, he's showing on TV. He's getting some W's. But against Anthony Henry from the Workhorseman, I mean, come on. That's, that's not a... That's not a real opponent. That's basically how I was complaining about Veer Mahan when he was coming in and attacking nobodies. It led to nothing, and I was correct. Exactly. I'm afraid it's, it's going to be the same thing right here with Miro. I mean, hopefully they can cook something up over there, but if they don't, best believe you're going to hear that same triggered energy I said about Veer Mahan towards Miro. Yeah. So there's that. And then, of course, we have the open challenge, Chris Thantlander and Lady Frost, the TBS Championship open challenge. And this is the other thing I have a, an issue with. So, Jade Cargill was a champion for so long, defending the title quite frequently, I would say. Involved with questionable storylines with the baddies, but she was there defending the title uh, against Ty Valkyrie. She was a champion, a working champion, yeah. Yeah, working champion. Um, the only thing I have to say here is that she's fighting Bila. <laughs> Bila from Bila's Hair Studio. In Sacramento, California. <laughs> she's fighting Lady Frost. Uh, from Ring of Honor, who's, I don't think she's signed to the company, but she definitely does a lot of appearances there. The only thing I would say is, like, there's so many women on AEW, dude. Like, build up a story, do something. You can't just have open challenges the entire time. It just makes things very unbelievable, especially when you're fighting somebody not even on the company. Yeah, that is true. And um, she's 0-2. Let's not forget, she's 0-2. Lady Frost is 0-2. She answered the challenge, I'm sure. I mean... There's people out there like Marina Shafir who looks like a badass. She has the skills. She has the look. She doesn't have the mouthpiece because we all know she can't talk. But can she wrestle? Absolutely. Who else do we have? We have Rio. We have Hikaru Shida. We have Thunder Rosa who we still haven't seen make her return. We have Anna JAS. We have Sky Blue. She's getting a big push. I mean, there's plenty of women out there and... Because nothing's being done. Yep, yep, yep. So that's that. Um, let me see. What else did we do? We missed uh, Rampage. We have uh, Ty Valkyrie taking an L. I don't think she's won one match the entire time she's been AEW. And yes. she's had three title shots, right? Yes, yes. She lost against Hikaru Shida. There we go. Yep, yep, yep. Exactly. We had Johnny TV and QT Marshall. A. They actually got a win against Matt Hardy and Brother Zay. We had... Sean Spears versus The Blade, because Sean Spears is Canadian, so they had to make a hometown Canadian thing. We haven't seen him in months. Thinks something happened with him, but he's back. He wins. And we also had Cesaro beat on uh, 
Commander. Is Commander a member of the AEW roster now? I don't think so. I'm not sure if he's still working for CMLL or AAA, but I know he's making a lot of Ring of Honor appearances, a lot of US appearances here in the Indies as well, but I'm not too sure. I think he's just making appearances, kind of like Vikingo, where he's in the US little tour, and then I think in two weeks he's going to go back to AAA and wrestle Kenny Omega for the AAA Mega Campeonato. Got it. Well, it's exciting to see these people get chances. I just wish that they would be more than just kind of like one-off matches and just feel like build them up kind of thing. I don't know. That's just me. But I'm also old school. All right. So now let's get into Money in the Bank. The good stuff. The good stuff. This show was really amazing. I loved it all. But I also ride WWE according to Adrian. <laughs> and you also predicted every single match correctly, even to the T with the Jey Uso. So I did not actually. I said Dominic Mysterio was going to win, thanks to Brock Lesnar, but I was wrong. And that's the only one I got wrong. Wait, Cody had a match? <laughs> yes, Cody had a match. Bro, I- <laughs> we predicted. It was quick, but <laughs> he was know, there. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so starting with the first match, the men's money in the bank. I understand that you predicted Damian Priest. I predicted Logan Paul. Did you like this match overall? What were some up and downs they could have made better? Or was it an overall five-star match in your book? This was an overall five-star match for me. Even including the botched... um, The botched Spanish Spanish fly. fly. Yep. Yeah, the bad Spanish fly through the tables. Even then, you could see that, yes, they lost balance and stuff like that. But it still made sense that Ricochet was the one trying to hold him up to kind of do that move. It wasn't like a complete botch. So, we could say that he landed pretty badly. But at the end, when you see on replay, you could see he tucks his neck in and actually takes a safe bump it was it dangerous that he just pulled him off like that maybe probably but thankfully nobody was hurt from that so that's what i would say about that it was a good match dude i I was entertained there's a lot of spots there's a lot of things but you know one of the things that i liked is when they start to build like the ladders to do that little spot that ricochet tried to hit shinsuke nakamura in the stomach missed but put the ladder between the steps of the other ladder that way it was natural not like he was building this thing as they typically do so I did like that. I'm always a fan of WE and their production qualities. So in that spot where Pete Dunn does the moonsault, you know damn well that ladder is really high. If you've been on a ladder that high, you know that shit moves when you try to do anything. So yes, there is a referee holding the ladder. Yeah. They did not get it on camera, so you can suck my... <laughs> <laughs> No, it's funny because I, you know, as you know, our Facebook, um, we usually like to troll fans about the stuff that they say when it comes to companies. And I posted that same picture that you're talking about Pete Dunn doing the moonsault on top of the ladder. And a lot of people were just like, bro, what the fuck do you expect? Even construction workers had to hold up a ladder even to change a light bulb. Come on, it's for safety, guys. Everybody does it. It's not just exclusive to one company. It's for the safety. And probably TK buys cheap ladders. I don't know. <laughs> See, the problem I have with it when AW does is that they will pan out and show like the two refs holding the ladder down and that looks bad in my opinion right the way that WWE does it is you know they have they're really good with their camera angles I'm gonna be honest is that based off of specifically experience maybe they have to know these spots are coming up to be able to build and know the production staff to notify them how to shoot this kind of thing so there's something there but I just like the way WWE produces that anything else you want to say about this match no it was a very well production match WWE has done this for what over 20 something years so i'm glad that they're doing something like that and even if something slips through the cracks and you see a thigh slap or your referee holding the letter so the fuck what who cares people are human the show is live it's not gonna be a pitch perfect show but some people complain some people don't but going back to that prince puma spot with logan paul yes you are right they did that safely i will admit 
I was clowning on you on the chat, but that was just me being a clown. But that's what happens when you practice a moonsault, a Spanish fly, uh, how the WWE marks the call, like a flippity flop move with perfection and zero injury. Prince Puma is one of the best. I've said it since his Lucha Underground's days. I put some mutual friends to Prince Puma when he joined NXT. They love him. Prince Puma can only go to the top from here on then. Yeah, I love the match too. The winner, questionable to me, I still think should have been LA Knight or somebody else. Probably Shinsuke. I mean, come on. How, how do you how do you lose to Bad Bunny in a street fight and then all of a sudden you can take on six men in a ladder match? Make it make sense. You know, that would make sense. But considering that he just took advantage of the situation, I think it's a little bit more understandable that it was a ladder match kind of like when mustafa ali won a battle royale you don't technically have to be the best wrestler you just have to be i guess the most clever the most the opportunist the opportunist yeah i I mainly see it as um as a your jobber for the company for four months you do what they ask you to do and then your time will come i have a problem with that because if you're a jobber for four months you're a jobber for four months and then all of a sudden you become a potential champion that's where i have a little problem but i mean who else were you gonna have in this card butch jobber LA Knight, jobber. He's recently winning some matches. Logan Paul, not a full-time wrestler. Ricochet, eh, lost in the shuffle. Santos Escobar, who? Shinsuke Nakamura, my man. (laughs) (laughs) My man. But uh, Damien Priest, hopefully they cook something up with the Judgment Day or Dark Order from Wish. But good win in my opinion. I mean, I don't like it. I know some fans do. So good for him. I'm a big Damien Priest fan, bro. I'm a huge Damien Priest fan. So I'm glad that he got the win here. And I would like to see the end of the Judgment Day storyline go around. So there's that. Uh, Next match, we had Liv Morgan and Raquel Rodriguez versus the champs, Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler. Shayna Baszler turns her back on Ronda Rousey and takes her out. So Liv Morgan and Raquel Rodriguez get the win. So we finally get Ronda Rousey versus Shayna Baszler, which I think would be some good matches. I'm all for Liv being champion and getting the push that she deserves. She is the first woman to defeat Ronda Rousey three times. Well, Liv Morgan is the first woman to pin Ronda Rousey three times. That's an astonishing accomplishment if you ask me. Raquel Rodriguez, I think she needs to have a solo run. She's pretty much Liv Morgan's lackey. Let's call it how it is. Ronda Rousey, Shayna Baszler, I don't don't know if anybody asked for this turn. There is a few rumors out there that said Ronda Rousey's contract is due to expire by SummerSlam. That, I don't know. But if it is, this could be a good way to get it out the door. I'm glad for the new champions. We predicted that, so good for us. Yep, yep, yep. That's... We predicted that. Then we got Gunther versus Matt Riddle. And, you know, Gunther wasn't going to lose this match. If you watch Raw, Gunther was uh, stomping on Matt Riddle's ankle. So he came into it with an injured ankle. To me, even though Matt Riddle lost, he still came out credible, as any babyface would in this scenario. So Gunther gets the W. Good, yeah. Gunther was not going to lose this match. No way. I mean, look at uh, Gunther's previous title challengers. Xavier Woods, Mustafa Ali, Riddle. Jobber, jobber, jobber. All three lost in the shuffle. I'm glad Drew McIntyre came back because now Gunther has a serious opponent. Instead of playing around with his food with these three jobbers, Drew McIntyre is a beast. I mean, are you excited for a Drew Gunther match? Technically, I would say that's actually, is this number two? Because he feuded with Sheamus and Drew McIntyre, right? Yes. Before, but not separately. Or did it was separately? No, he feuded with, with Sheamus separately, sort of separately, like right after WrestleMania, before the draft in that little little gap right there. But then that's where Drew 
took some time off. Either way, I'm excited for this feud. So same. Uh, the only winners in this one are the fans. Exactly. The only other thing I would add to this is at the press conference at the end of the show, Triple H was um, at the post pay-per-view press conference. Uh, they had Triple H talking about Drew McIntyre being gone, about those internet rumors about him wanting out of the company, not being happy. And then uh, they asked Triple H about it. He said, this is the first I'm hearing about that. He was getting some work done, had some injuries. He wanted to take care of some surgeries. So that's where he was this whole time. So I'm glad that he's back. And then after that, we had Cody Rhodes versus Dominic Mysterio. And this was a glorified squash match. I mean, how would you how would you say this match was? Yeah, it was a goofy ass, I don't know, disappointment. I know a lot of people are Dominic fans out there. Not me, but Dominic Mysterio was wrestling Cody Rhodes. But this did not help Cody or Dominic at all. You could have taken this match off the Premium Life event and nobody would have cared. I think they just wanted to put Dominic on TV so he can get booed. I don't know, but to be honest, I even forgot they even had a match. And I'm a Cody fan. That tells you a lot. Yeah, I mean, it did what it was supposed to do. Get heat on Dominic. Cody Rhodes got a win on a premium live event. So it came all down to what was expected there. What was unexpected was John Cena coming out next, bro. To announce that he's going to try to bring WrestleMania to London, which would be wild. And I say wild. Wild. They are going to have a UK tour later in October, September, if I'm not mistaken. They're going to be at Wembley Arena. I forgot what day, but please, if you want to look at that date, look on our social media. We'll be posting a lot of news when it comes to AEW and WWE and Indies as well, too. You can follow us at T-R-I-G-G underscore W-R-E-S-T-L-I-N-G. That is TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram. On YouTube and Facebook, you can follow us at Triggered wrestling yep 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 definitely give us a follow grayson waller is still injured so he just came out and have a battle of the the mouths against john cena he ends up taking attitude adjustment gets sent on his way then we have the women's mind the bank ladder match we both did you say that eos guy was gonna win i don't remember yes we both said it okay so eos guy the predicted winner gets the win i did like how she ended up winning you know with handcuffing bailey and becky lynch to each other through the ladder uh, that was smart the way they played it like at the beginning and they waited for the payoff to go towards the end. Her to do the handcuffing and win. It was definitely a great photo op, but I liked it. Anything you want to say about this, Adrian? Uh, yeah, Eos guy just an amazing wrestler, man. I mean, why, why can't they do the same to Asuka? Why? I mean, I know Paul Levesque loves Asuka. That's his girl. That's his, the one he brought from Japan to the NXT to the main roster. Asuka is no more. It's the era of Eos guy. You know, you don't need a gimmick. You don't need a story. All you need is your wrestling skills to do the talking. And that's what Eos guy has been doing the past few months. Look what it's gotten her. The briefcase at the Money in the Bank and the opportunity to become world champion. Eosky is someone that's going to be remembered. So keep an eye on Eosky because she, she has the talent. She has the gift. <laughs> the gift. All right. So then we get Seth Rollins versus Finn Balor in a great match, I would say. I enjoyed it, at least for myself, because I predicted that this was going to happen, that Damian Priest was going to win. And obviously, this was going to have to do something with this Finn Balor match going on later on today, because they foreshadowed it on Raw when Finn was like, what's going to happen if you end up winning? Are you going to cash in on me kind of thing? So Damian Priest comes out there. Finn Balor's in control of the match. It just takes Damian Priest a moment to stand up. And Finn Balor looks back and looks at him like, are you going to cash in right now? And then he loses focus. Seth Rollins gets out of the way, hits the curb stomp or the blackout, whatever you want to call it now, and ends up winning, leaving Finn Balor and Damon Priest just to kind of lick their wounds there. Yeah, and this is where my triggered energy begins. 
because if you remember in an episode of Raw, I believe it was a few weeks back, when it was Damian Priest against Seth Rollins, Damian Priest told Finn Balor, don't go outside, I want to do this by myself. Cool, you know? When Finn Balor came out to the ring and quote-unquote distracted somebody, I don't know who, Damian Priest was getting his ass kicked outside, Rollins threw him inside the ring, saw Finn Balor, give him a right hook. Went back into the ring. I believe did his finisher move, the curb stop or whatever. Got the one, two, three over Damian Priest. Damian Priest looked at Balor back like, oh, what are you doing? What are you doing here? I told you to stay in the back. Finn Balor did not get involved in the match. He just came out to take a quick right hook and fell asleep. But Damian Priest did. He actually got involved in the match by just standing there with the briefcase. That to me right there, that Damian Priest is a backstabber. I don't care what you say, I'm on Finn Balor's side, but yes, Finn Balor did not get involved in Damian Priest's match, but Damian Priest got involved in Finn Balor's match. I don't know why Finn Balor was getting his ass kicked by uh, Seth Rollins at the time, and then he ended up losing. I don't know how you're seeing this, but to me, I just feel like, yeah, they sort of fucked up the first interference with Finn Balor, and this one, they kind of did it better, but it doesn't make sense in the story, if you get what I'm saying. Uh, I mean, it makes sense to me. He's got the money in the bank, bro. He can do whatever he wants. Oh, yeah, that's true. But, I mean, I, we already know the marks are going to be like, well, he came out because Balor came out the other day. Okay, but Balor didn't do anything. He didn't get involved in the match. He didn't help Damian Priest. And he didn't help Rollins to get an advantage. So, he just basically came out to get a right hook and fell asleep. Woke up to Damian Priest telling him, hey, what are you doing out here? But that's just me. That's how I'm seeing things. Hopefully, this Dark Order from Wish is no more. Do you want to talk about Rhea? She's just parading the title, doing absolutely nothing with it. She's amazing, bro. What, what do you mean? I believe she's had the title for over 30 days, and Rhea's only had, what, three weak-ass defenses and zero storyline? Yeah, I mean, I'm okay with it. Let's move on, bro. Let's talk about the best thing here. I want to let you get started with it, Adrian. Set it up for us. We have the Bloodline, Roman Reigns and Solo Sokol with Paul Heyman versus former members of the Bloodline, Jimmy and Jay Uso. Obviously, we know that this storyline has been brewing for over two years. We were there from the creation of the Bloodline when Roman Reigns was beating on his cousins. Um, that one-on-one match, I believe he had in Hell in a Cell with Jay, correct? Yeah, it, it was Jay. It was Jay, yeah, that was an excellent match, which led to everything. That's when the Bloodline started. Um, but this is a great match. Like I said, it was going to be a well-told story. There was going to be a lot of super kicks. I did predict this wrong, and I said oh, there was only going to be one Superman punch, and I did say Roman Reigns was going to win. Obviously, I was wrong, but I, I don't I don't know, because now, the, the way I see things is... Okay, so Roman's title reign was only this long because of his family members. Now that he doesn't have his family behind him, he's looking weak as fuck. He lost the night of champions, he lost the money in the bank. So you took away Jimmy and Jay from the equation, and Roman Reigns is, is a loser. I mean, he's lost back-to-back matches. I mean, how do you feel about this? I mean, to be fair, he did lose the last match at Night of Champions, but he did get kicked in the face on accident technically by the Usos, right? So there's that. I'll give him that out. And this one, it's just about time he actually lost, dude, like against Jey Uso, main event Jey Uso, getting the win for the first time ever is a big thing for him, you know? Oh yeah, obviously for the main event Jimmy Uso storyline, yes, this is perfect. But what I'm talking about is like basically Roman Reigns. I mean, now we know that his lengthy title reign is pointless without his family members. Now that he doesn't have them behind him, He's losing now. So now I'm like, well, what are you trying to tell me that when Cody finishes the story, he's going to go up against a weak Roman Reigns? I mean, you want you want to have Roman Reigns at his prime and Cody Rhodes at his prime for the World Championship, Universal, whatever they call it nowadays, because he has three and two of them are pointless. Only one matters. 
Um, I mean, I would like to see a prime Cody versus a prime Roman Reigns. And by Roman getting back-to-back losses and most likely going to get a few more later on the road, I, I don't know, man. I, I'm just saying, I just think that WWE is like, ah, yeah, we weren't going to let an ex-AEW guy beat our top guy in his prime. So let's weaken him up a little bit. So Cody can get the W. Cody can pick up the scraps and get the W. I don't think that's the the thought process they put into this. I think that they just were focused on the story going somewhere else to begin with. And then they just happened to insert Cody Rhodes into the storyline because he just came in at the perfect moment, you know? Yeah, yeah, you're right. So yeah, so we have this amazing match. And you know the match itself, I'm not going to call the match amazing. Was the match good? Yes. What made it over the top is the storyline that's going on here behind the scenes. Without that storyline, would this match been what it is and what it was built up to be? Probably not. But goddamn, just WWE storytelling here is top notch. Oh, I mean, yeah, they had over since The Rock and Cena something to come up with. So, I mean, I'm pretty sure they, what was it, 10 years ago? So, I mean, about time they figured something out. About time they figured what works. I'm, a, I'm happy for it. I'm just a little pissed off because, as you know, I'm a big Roman Reigns mark. And, yeah, man, I don't know. Paul Levesque, man, he, he's grinding my gears, man. Paul Levesque, man, I'm, uh, oh, if I could. Roman Reigns, I love you, bro. Bro, stop. I, I will say this, that Adrian was riding that, <laughs> that, that Roman Reigns D since the beginning, bro. He had the vest. He had the hand gauntlet, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck yeah, bro. I'll say that he was a fan of Roman Reigns before I was a fan of Roman Reigns. Yeah, I remember they were here in Sacramento, California, the third event at the Golden One Center. It was no mercy. Roman Reigns, I bought the vest, I bought the little arm gauntlet thing that he has. Man, I thought I was in cloud nine. Yes, I'm a Roman Reigns mark. Anyway, so yeah, so that's <laughs> that's Money in the Bank <laughs> review here. <laughs> Uh, definitely follow us at trig underscore wrestling. That's T-R-I-G-G underscore wrestling on the Instagrams, the TikToks, um, everywhere else, YouTube, Facebook. We are Triggered Wrestling. Catch us at Barrio Toys. We're going to be there quite frequently. Catch us at Collectible Stampede, July 23rd from 4 to 8. That's 6 West Court Street in Woodland, California. I don't know the zip code. Noel, I'm sorry. But we'll be there with Drago, Aaron Solo, Guapalupe, the other SPW Wrestling Star. Stars, Drake Frost. So definitely catch us there. And we're also thinking of making an appearance at the Swap Up in Rockland, California with a good friend, Joe Ellis, the Swap Up, which is on 7850 Granite Drive, Rockland, California. You can look them up at theswapup.com. We'll be making an appearance there sometime soon. We have to adjust our schedules because we do have another busy month. We have SPW, Collectible Stampede, as Brian said. Um, So we'll let you guys know whenever we find that date. Yep, yep, yep. Catch our interviews on YouTube with some local indie talents here. If you guys know anybody or want anybody to be listed or want to be featured yourself, hit us up at our email or on any social media. Oh, yeah. And one last question, too, Brian. Um, I know you were talking about the media scrum or the media, the press conference after Money in the Bank. I saw some of it. And let me tell you, boy, that shit looks scripted as fuck. Do you think so? Because I believe so. It's scripted, dude. It's scripted. I'm not against it, dude. Uh, The questions are scripted. They're not going to be too hard hitting, but it is what it is. That's the only way you can kind of keep kayfabe alive right so there's that now one thing i did want to bring up and i forgot to mention in the beginning of our show is that natalia was awarded with six guinness book world records at mind the bank 
Did you know that? Uh, yes, I actually posted that on our Facebook. But yeah, it was actually a pretty... Let me uh, let me get those stats up real quick. I, I have them here for us. So she was awarded the most WWE matches for a female. That's 1,514. The most WWE wins... As a female in her career, 663. The most PLE appearances, 75. The most WrestleMania appearances with 8. Most Raw matches, 174. And most SmackDown matches with 200. You want to know something funny when I posted that? One of our fans is like, okay, yeah, she had 1,514 matches. So you mean to tell me she lost 851 of those? (laughs) 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 I mean, yes. He did. It was like, where's where's the Guinness Book of World Record for that? For the most losses? (laughs) I guess so. I guess so. That would be funny. But yes, she's a veteran. She's she's (laughs) been in the business for so long. Let's not forget it. Let's give her respect when she deserves it. But lately, she hasn't been doing a lot of nothing. Hopefully, she can transition into a managerial role or something. Maybe a trainee, a trainer, go back to NXT, go back to the Performance Center, tell these ladies how to cut a promo. We obviously know Trish Stratton is not doing that at all so that's true all right so that's it that's our show follow us like comment subscribe and most importantly stay triggered bam bam